For this episode of Speak LA, the podcast, part of the proceeds will be lovingly donated to our guest's charity of choice, Shane's Inspiration. excited to be here live I tonight. I know, it's so fun. I know. All these amazing people. Yeah. Yeah. fun guest today. I know, Kim Rhodes. I can't wait. I love her so much. Yeah, me too. She's an incredible actress. Yeah, I know, with a nice long career and lots of different types of roles and I know. so much to learn I from her. I can never pick which one I like the best of yeah. all the things she's done, yeah. she's done so many. I know. She's well, pretty kick-ass on Supernatural. Supernatural right? Yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty badass. Pretty badass. Um, tell me about you while we wait. What have you been doing? Well, Jen, I did something really fun. Yeah. I went to the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, I love the Hollywood yes, Bowl. Yes, and I saw Jurassic Park. What? They show, oh, because sometimes they show films they there. They show I the first, film, yeah. and then the music was playing as I was no, watching it. like yes. an orchestra playing the music? Yes, well, oh. and I even <gasps> dressed up. No. Yes, I wore an outfit that was very... Jurassic Park-esque? Yes, like I was with the dinosaurs. <laughs> I wore some ripped jeans. Okay. Like I'd been kind of like in a fight with Tumbling a dinosaur. Around. Uh-huh. I wore some cowboy boots because uh-huh. that's what you would wear. If you were... If you had encountered dinosaurs. <laughs> and, um, and then I also wore this like flowered shirt because I was like, well... It's I'm in nature. floral in nature. I mean, that's <laughs> I what I had. It. That was my Jurassic. Oh, the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, it was really fun. Oh, it's a perfect summer evening, isn't it? It is. And, you know, I've never been there before. <gasps> and Shut I've up. also never seen Jurassic Park. Two in one. I love it. Yay for Camille. I know. I know. <laughs> Crazy. Amazing. <laughs> How old were you when you moved to L.A.? 30. Did you know anyone here? Yes. How much money did you have? Sort of some. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you live when you got here? Los Feliz. Oh, I love Los Feliz. What was your first job in L.A., acting or otherwise? I don't remember. No? Okay. <laughs> I th- no, it was acting. I think it was a sitcom. Yeah. It was probably a sitcom. Okay. It was yeah. like a... I think it was called Stark Raving Mad? No, it was before that. No, no, no. It was, it was well before that. Nope. Don't remember the name of it. It was a, it was a, it was a kid's show, though. Yeah. I'm going to go with kids show. All right. There. Cool. Final answer. <laughs> um, how many years did it take you to get your first job in the industry after coming here? None. None? You yeah. Got, you booked right away? Yeah. Nice. I know. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me how many years it's been since I booked my last job, though. <laughs> That's a different answer. <laughs> That's not true. Um, how many years did it take you of living in Los Angeles before you felt like it was home? I'm still waiting. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if you had to sum up L.A. in one word, what would that word be? Can I have two answers for this? Yeah. I actually thought about this because yeah. I knew you'd be here. Yeah. Um, my first sounding like I was vaguely educated word is chimera. Chimera? Mm-hmm. Ooh, what does that mean? Three of you out there know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're my favorites. Um, it's a it's it's a mythological creature that is put together from pieces of other creatures that shouldn't coexist, but they do. And it all is put together, and um, it means if you encounter one, that 
either now you believe in magic or now you're going to be hideously devoured. Oh, <laughs> perfect for LA. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The other word I thought of was meringue. Meringue. Because it looks so solid and sweet, but it's really made up of air and slime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you never see the sweat in photos. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> wow. We um, have safely never heard any those two words before. I know. And I'm done. I, know. Really really done. Well. Yeah. I know. People now now when people say like sunny. We mean like, yeah. no no no. Yeah. Meringue. Try hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love it. Kim Rhodes! Yay! We're so happy you're here. I know, happy Kim. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for doing this oh tonight. I'm yeah. looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. For weeks. Yeah. I have been following your progress with joy and Aww. amazement, so <laughs> I'm happy you. I'm here. Thank, Thank you. you. So tell us about you. I'd, I'd love to know, for starters, if you always knew that you wanted to be an actor. Oh, in retrospect, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I thought thought I wanted was a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was the kid who was organizing circuses in the backyard and telling everyone what their roles were. I was the kid who <laughs> was putting blankets around my neck and refusing to take my cape off when we went to the supermarket. Um, I deeply, deeply, deeply wanted attention, but that just was not done in our house. Uh, so I had to become an actor to legitimize my, my need for attention. <laughs> and, uh, and even when I started, I was going to be an English teacher and I took an acting class in college. I didn't take an acting class. I didn't even explore acting until I was in college. And I took an acting class so that I could learn to stand up in front of kids and amuse them. And I'm, I'm still kind of waiting to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up mm-hmm. because it just kept, like the next step kept presenting itself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I... I gradually quit wanting to be an actor so that people would clap for me and give me attention and started wanting to, wanting to be an actor so that I could be of service to a story and I could be of service to an audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's where I've been for the majority of my career, I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. I love that. That's a wonderful way to think of it. Service to a story. Yeah. Was there a moment, like, so you were in college. Mm-hmm. When, was there a moment when you thought, like when you did a play or you did something where you thought, wait a minute, maybe this is something I want to do. I wish I had a moment. Um, I did, I was lucky enough to go to undergrad in Ashland, Oregon, which is where the Oregon Shakespeare Festival is. And that was the first theater that I encountered. And um, so it was more the feeling of being affected by theater Mm -hmm. that I wanted to be a part of. I wanted to be on the other side of that equation. Um, And uh, that was was really the the higher part of it. And the, the other part of it, which I think, okay, I sound like an asshole when I say (laughs) I got into it because I wanted to be clapped for. Mm -hmm. I wanted people to not interrupt me because my line wasn't done yet. (laughs) Because I wanted to have people looking at me. I wanted, but A, it's the truth. And B. For many people, by the way. If I, for all actors, if you 
don't, on some level, want people to look at you, you don't want to be an actor. <laughs> Stop it. Go away. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, so, so there needs to be a craving to connect. Mm. Uh, the, the challenge is overcoming the ego that wants to drive that car. The, the part that then is making it about me, mm -hmm. as opposed to making it about the character and the story and being of service and, and filling a role, both as an actor and within the thing I'm playing. So, um, so I kept doing it because I was good enough at it so that opportunities kept presenting themselves. And I just never really had to look for anything else. But I was incredibly fortunate in that the next door kept kind of saying, sure, go through here now. Mm -hmm. um, and through that, I learned what I needed to learn to manage to start sustaining myself and actually open the doors and occasionally blow them up. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> create them in walls, things like that. Yeah. I, I like what you're saying, though, about that idea of, you know, come, wanting to be clapped for, but then also being of service. Because I think there is, you do need a certain confidence. And we hear this a lot in, in the podcast is, is that confidence as an actor that when you walk into a room, you, do can, you can command the room in a certain way, especially when auditioning. Because I think that's the tricky part is, is, a lot of people ask, where does that, where, where does that confidence come from? Like if you could talk about kind of what that means, because I think, I, I don't know if I, I, you know, that's the hard part, I think. It's like combining that ego with the service of telling the story. Well, <clears throat> I think confidence comes genuinely when I don't care about the outcome. Mm -hmm. I care deeply about the moment. Mm -hmm. I care deeply about being present for the moment and committing to my part of the moment, but mine isn't the only part that factors into the outcome. And so if I know I've done my part and I leave the room, then I don't have to then my worth isn't defined by whether or not I get the job. Then their quality isn't defined by whether or not they were brilliant enough to hire me. Um, then there isn't this, this need that my moment is only worthwhile if I get the outcome I'm looking for. So I think, um, after I get my text, uh, <laughs> I think that confidence is a beautiful combination for me right now, assuming that I am confidence, my version of confidence, is a combination of deep love and not giving a flying fuck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and did you have that when you nope. started out? That was something that you developed. Nope, so nope, 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 nope. I was only good if you told me I was good. I was only pretty if you told me I was pretty. I was only right if you told me I was right. I'm good, am I good, am I good, am I good enough? Am I good enough, am I good enough, am I good enough? Um, and that just, hurts so badly. And, uh, and interestingly enough, it makes me lie. It makes me put a false front out. And then 
I become who I think you need me to be to love me and tell me I'm good enough, but then you fall in love with this illusion, which doesn't make me end up feeling loved anyway. Mm -hmm. So then if I get the thing I think I want, it isn't, it's still me, it's just, it's so convoluted. Mm -hmm. And it's much easier just to be kind of like, here's what I would do if I did this. If you would like it, hire me. If you would not like it, do not hire me. Mm-hmm. Bye. <laughs> so for me, part of the beauty of getting to, to do this podcast yeah. is, you know what I'm going to say, yeah. is hearing common denominators. Yeah. And I think we've heard some version of that from every successful actor we've had mm-hmm. on the podcast, which is, and I wish to God I had gotten to speak <laughs> to all of you 20 years ago when I started my career, which is... <clears throat> you know, to bring yourself to the role, to not try to um, be what they think you, they, to not try to be what you think they want you to be, but to bring um, what, what you, as you just said, what you, what you would do with the role, what excites you to do with the role. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna be honest, that is really, really fucking hard. Yeah. When you are called in to be fourth cop from the left. Mm-hmm. What would you do with this role? Because now I want to, I've got to do something with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> make me stand out, make me shake it. it. It doesn't, sometimes it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that's the soul sucking other side of this job is that it very often doesn't matter who you are, what your soul looks like, what your art looks like, what your voice sounds like, what part of the story you're committed to sharing doesn't matter. And that gets to you after a while. What um, does matter? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I genuinely don't know anymore. I will say also in terms of like, you're, you're all starting out. Um, look, guys, you are not going to understand me when I tell you the stove is hot until you have been burned. Mm-hmm. I don't expect you to. Like if I say, this is really hard, I hope to God every single one of you in here is thinking, yeah, it won't be for me. It's going to be super easy for me. Believe you're the exception. Don't, you know, don't hit the wall until you have to. You might not have to. It might not apply to you. But, uh, but also in terms of what I hope to convey, I can't tell you anything other than what my experience was. And you are going to have your own. And, uh, and you will hurt. And it will be hurt unlike anybody has ever experienced because <laughs> it will be yours. So you don't have to take mine and be like, how can I incorporate her lessons so that I never forget? You don't have to believe me. Trust me, it'll suck at some point. <laughs> it took me a long time to, to realize that, actually. And it was both... Um, a hard thing for me to realize that it didn't kind of matter what I brought to the table. And then it was also a relief that mm-hmm. it didn't matter what I brought to the table when I finally understood that. And it took such a long time for me to understand that because as you know, I love the theater and that's where I came from. And it's a totally different ball game. It's a different process. And, but I, I recently like, and, sp- and I agree with you, Jen, it's, it's really in getting to talk to people like you and just hearing what you just said. To, to get to be yourself, even in the, you know, cop number four, 
was such a relief to me because I was like, I, w I was like that. Like, how do I be more cop-like? Which I, I mean, obviously I couldn't do very well. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how to do that. But I just, I, when I realized that I really could just sort of be and that what I didn't have to offer very much, that was a relief too. And in this weird way, in this in this kooky industry, I was it was it was kind of cool because I had both feelings about it: this frustration, but then also this relief that I just got to bring what I got to bring. It was what I was going to bring. They would like it or they wouldn't like it, and then I would go retain some my, of my sanity and yeah. go watch a movie or yeah. get ice cream yeah. or something, you know. Which is really, but you, I mean, you've done, you went right after school, you walked right into, didn't you get a role right away? That was like your first series regular I job? I came out of graduate school. I spent six months doing regional Shakespeare. I moved to New York and about, well, within the first year, I was a series regular on a soap opera. Right. Um, and, uh, and then came out here and yeah, everything kind of, has been, I did take a year off and went away. I went back to Ashland and did Shakespeare in, in Oregon because I'd had it and I had to go away and do some Shakespeare. Otherwise I was going to stab someone. Uh, but, um, but, 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 but yeah, it, it has come easily to me. Was the process difficult in that for the, when you auditioned for the soap opera that you were on as the world turns, right? Is it another world? Another world. Another world. Another world. I did end up on, they, they took the character over to as the world turns briefly. Um, uh, was the process difficult? It was so long ago, I wish I could tell you about the process so that you would know. The worst part about this entire industry is everyone expects you to already know stuff. <laughs> that there's no way of knowing until you've done it. <laughs> so things like, I will tell you this, you're, you're, when you get to set, a, a set of any sort, Find someone with a walkie-talkie. <laughs> they are the important people to tell you are there. I was used to telling hair and makeup, hair and makeup doesn't give a f nothing if you are there. <laughs> they don't care. They can't do anything with you until they're told by someone with a walkie-talkie to do something with you. So, yeah, little it's things true, like that. It's true, nobody tells you that. I didn't, That's a good I point. didn't know. I yeah. didn't know what a screen test was. I didn't know. I knew nothing. Yeah. Um, in fact, to the point where uh, once I was on the soap opera, I had a director because uh, soaps are multicam, right? So there's a camera, 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 camera. And they block you so that you are, well, I just knew it was open. So I kept opening up to, <laughs> I kept opening up. And finally, the director would be like, all right, for these five lines, here's where the stage ends. Okay, for these five lines. Here's where the stage ends. And he just kept chalk marking lines so, so I would know how to angle my body to find the actual camera. I don't, I don't know how to find a camera. I don't know how to find my light. I'm much better at it now. Uh, but yes, the, things, things like finding your camera and finding your light. Yeah. And, you, you know, that's, those, those were more difficult. Yeah. The actual audition process, because I didn't know what was at stake, mm -hmm. was kind of like, oh, where do I go now? Now I just sit here and wait. Okay, now I'll go act with that guy. Okay, now I'll go. go. All right, fine. Oh, oh man. Well. I wish I had I know, had me that. too. I well, how do you feel about auditioning in general? I mean, now and other, you know, through your career, having to audition, like, what, do you hate it? Do you kind of <laughs> love it? Do you, 
Is it a non-issue? Do you get nervous? <laughs> there are not words in the English language <laughs> to properly articulate how much I hate audition. <laughs> I hate it. It is not an accurate rendition. It's like, it's like if you're a baker <laughs> and someone asks you to paint a picture of something you would bake on a piece of cardboard <laughs> and then cut it out, sprinkle some sugar on it, and eat it. <laughs> nothing to do with my job. <laughs> my job is listening and responding and I can't, it, right. it, is, it is being affected by the person I'm in a scene with. It, it is not, I'm Kim Rhodes, I'm five, seven and a half. I live in Los Angeles. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm good. We could start. <laughs> oh, you want me to stand? Okay, I'll, I'll stand for this scene. Then I'm seated behind a desk. Cool, sure. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I totally lose my energy when I'm seated. Most actors do, yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Not there, I should look, all right. Sure, I'll look at the tape on the wall. Sure. I mean, it's, it has nothing to do with acting. Um, and I'm really bad at it. I'm so bad at auditioning. You can't be bad because no, you book all the time. This is, I have not, okay, I booked one day on a show that I actually forgot I did until people were like, I just saw you on the button at whatever the hell show was it was. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I wore a pink suit. Like that's what I remember of, is that I wore pink. Um, but other than that, I haven't booked a job from an audition mm -hmm. in three years. I am awful at it's, auditioning. It's been, because it, it's offers from people who know you already or yes. who know your work. Yes, or, yeah. it's, it's, it's these random, like, oh, Kim can do that. Sure, bring her in. Have Kim do that. So, am I too loud? No, you're great. Okay. He's giving me a time. Ben's back there. His mustache is curled the other way from my voice. She's like, make her stop. It hurts. She's very loud. Um, so, yeah. No, it's been, it's, it's definitely been work based on previous work. It is not based right. on the work I do in, in the audition room at all. Well, we get that a lot, too, though. Yeah. That, that, you know, when we talk about that a lot, it's you, you build a network in your community in Los Angeles, and you're working with people who like you and want to work with you again, and that's why it's important to do your own work and create and keep going. Yes. Yeah, and not be a dick. <laughs> yeah, not be a dick. Don't be a dick. That's and a the big, bottom that's line a good is one. don't be a dick. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Just don't, for God's sake, don't yeah. be, a, be dick. a dick. Nobody wants a dick oh. on set. No. No. I hate those no. dicks. No. <laughs> Let's just say dick as many times as we can. <laughs> dick, 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 <laughs> Um... What so you hate auditioning, but kind of hard to keep going. If you, I know, I know, let's bring myself. Um, if you had to give advice to people that will have to audition, would you? What would be like one or two things you'd maybe know say? your material? Yeah, get as 
solid with the lines. I know this is so mundane and boring and not an iota of artistic merit in it. Know the lines because there's going to be nerves. There's going to be a piece of tape on the wall that you got to make your lover. Um, there's going to be a conversation beforehand or no conversation beforehand. Or time is going to be weird or somebody else is going to be a dick in the waiting room or something yeah. is going to, there's going to be no part. Whatever it is, this is not a perfect situation by any means. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know your material, it gets much, 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 much worse. Mm. Um, so I say that having come off of a couple of auditions recently where I couldn't, I did not have the time with the material to get memorized. And it just, like, there's nothing worse than walking out and being like, hope somebody I like gets that. <laughs> <laughs> not mine. That was not mine. <laughs> um, the other thing is... I find I have a lot more luck when I am honest with it. Now, that part of me that still spins into, how am I gonna be special? How am I gonna be shiny? How am I gonna make them remember me? How am I gonna do something with this that is nothing they've seen? Here's the deal. If I walk in and am grounded, authentic, and present as me, they aren't gonna see it because nobody else is me. Right. Mm. Um, I that. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. So all of the Paisleys that I want to put on stuff because my brain doesn't trust just being me is enough, mm. it's going to look like Paisleys. It's not going to look like acting. Um, and then finally, let it go. It doesn't mean I had an audition, possibly the best audition of my life about a year ago, where the casting director cried, I was reading with her, we were supposed to fall in love at some point in the scene, cried and asked to hold me afterwards. <laughs> she said, can I just hug you? I need to hold you after that. What? Didn't book it. <laughs> like, wow. it's not, wow. it's not, not, it wasn't me, it wasn't yeah. mine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love, I love that. Don't try to figure it out. You walk away. Do not try to figure it out. Um, yeah. Yes? Um, <laughs> yeah, Dan, Dan like that answer. Dan says thumbs up. Don't try to figure it out. Um, can I totally switch gears here? Yes. Um, something we... Uh, people ask about a lot, I know it's a question that I often have and that I have a hard time navigating is the world of social media and how important social media is for actors. You know, you hear about, oh, they hired this actor because they have this many followers and, you know, um, I'd just love to know what your relationship is with social media and, you know, how you, how you approach it as an actor, not in your, I don't need to know, if, you know, your personal, but like how you approach it as an actor, if at all, maybe not. Okay, I have, a two-part answer for that. Mm -hmm. First is, any answer in my life that is based on making me feel scared is probably bullshit. Mm. You need to have this. They, they hire this because of this. They have this. I don't have that as a fact. Mm. I have that as rumor. 
Has an executive producer ever sat down with me and said, well, you'd absolutely have a series right now if you had 100,000 more Instagram followers? Nope. No one's ever said that. I've heard it rumored a lot. Yeah. I've never seen it as fact. So does the fear serve me? It might be true, but I don't know it's a fact. It's only a fear. Now, once it's a fear, I can choose to act on it or not. But for my career, every time I've made a choice because I was scared and wanted to feel less afraid, I still felt scared. Mm -hmm. So doing something because I'm scared if I don't, I won't, what is meant for me will not pass me. There is no amount of game playing, of sacrificing my self-worth, of playing games, or of trying to be something I'm not that will get something that is truly mine. Mm. It won't. That said, I think um, social media for me has been a great, great example of how do I live authentically and show myself authentically and show up for people who want me to be authentic in a curated world. How do I not buy into that? How do I show what my experience is honestly? How do I not get in a fight that's about my ego? How do I not feel that I need to compete with something that actually has nothing to do with me? Um, and quite frankly, because of that, I am making a living doing conventions because of the interaction I have with people on social media. Mm -hmm. So for me, social media is extremely important, but it's important as an ongoing exercise in connection, mm -hmm. not as an ongoing exercise in showing the world I'm something that I secretly only aspire to be. Mm -hmm. That's, there's, who and who likes that person? <laughs> who likes that person? Mm -hmm. We all hate that person. <laughs> None of us like that person. There's no filter. <laughs> no filter as I'm sitting here with my avocado. <laughs> <laughs> Botox. I'll tell you, I have Botox. I do stuff for my spa, and I'm like, I, got, I, got, I, I have Botox. I color my hair. I'm mad about coloring my hair. It was gray, and I couldn't get any auditions, so I'm trying to be willing again, and everybody that I work with was like, no one will see you. I was like, fine, I'll color my hair. I've had five auditions since I colored my hair. They might be right. Um, but, uh, so, I, I don't think it's you know, I, I just think, even if I don't want to put it out there, I don't have to lie about it. Mm -hmm. and, and it's, so that's my personal experiment with social media. Mm -hmm. It's also really fun to put it down when it starts upsetting me. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel very powerful. <laughs> I'm like, wait. Oh. <laughs> Boom, motherfuckers! <laughs> I win! <laughs> God, we need to try that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, Put it I down. Love, Don't yeah. listen to the haters. Um, sadly, we're out of time. Out of time. I well know. Done. Yeah, I know. It goes okay. fast. Um, <laughs> we would love, though, do you want to ask third? Oh, yeah. sure. Yes. So we, we like to end with an LAism. Yes. So something that is LA, you need to LA. That you this is a word is. we made up, y'all. Made it up. <laughs> LAism <laughs> and LAism. You know what I think is super LA? What? Is um, things that are clearly oxymoronic, mm -hmm. 
but in a way that serves the planet, like a vegan meatball. (laughs) (laughs) Or vegan leather. (laughs) Like, why can't you just call it polyurethane? (laughs) Or whatever it is. But no. We do. Yeah. We like our oxymorons here in LA. Because like, yeah. we don't want to give up our leather, yeah. but we also don't want to kill cows. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I'm down with both of those. That's yeah. fine. But yeah. I love the fact that we have to call it vegan leather. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I know. I love that too. Well, I could sit here and talk to you forever. Me too. <laughs> I know. You. Kim, thank you <laughs> so much. This has been incredible. Yeah, we love this. Thank you, Thanks so much for listening to Speak LA, the podcast. We know you have big actor dreams and we really want to help you. For more insider tips on the LA film and TV industry, go to ispeakla.com and subscribe today. And of course, look for us at all the regular places, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. See you next time.